Hello and welcome to the reading of the Sioux City Journal for Tuesday, February 14th, 2023. I'm your reader, Bill Petrosky. In local news headlines, Crescent Park Elementary Building to face demolition. Dateline Sioux City. Crescent Park Elementary will be demolished to make way for a new apartment complex. The Sioux City School Board on Monday unanimously accepted a bid from Kuskovich and Murphy Developments of Sioux City to build one or two three-story market-rate apartment buildings. The district received two bids for the Crescent Park property, 114 West 27th Street, as well as a proposal from the Urban Native Center. The high bid, which the board accepted, offered the Sioux City Community School District $150,000 for the property. Kuskovich and Murphy Developments recently developed the District 42 apartments in Sunnybrook and Elk Creek Housing Subdivision. Currently, they are building a 24-unit apartment complex in the Morningside area. The developer was also behind the redevelopment of the former Metz baking plant on Highway 75. The other bid was $110,000 submitted by Arch Icon Development and Construction, who plan on remodeling the building into a historic apartment complex. Arch Icon renovated the Central High School Annex into the Aberdeen Apartments and the Everett Elementary School building into an apartment complex. They originally bid $110,000 with the contingency that they had to offer $1,000 more than the competing offer, up to $140,000. Facilities and Maintenance Director Tim Paul said they offered to change the cap to 200000 District Legal Counsel said the district could entertain other offers during the public hearing on February 13th. The district does not have to take the highest, best offer and consider other factors, such as if they want to keep the building. The Urban Native Center also submitted a non-purchase proposal to the district to use the building for expanded services to both children and community members. The center would remodel the building to provide a safe learning environment for children and community members while also teaching various activities and culture, Center Director Val Yukin said in the proposal. It will also expand outreach opportunities and mental health support. The center would remodel the building to provide a safe learning environment for children and community development while while also doing other uh, various activities. The space would be used to create a preschool room, sensory activity engagement room for sense students to learn about nature, technology, and art, a dance room, relaxation room, library, elder craft room, gym and lunchroom, elder meeting room, community education classrooms, other classrooms for art, crafts, and activities such as music, adult art, computer labs, sewing, horticulture, outreach, and administrative space, and therapy rooms. The proposal states the building could be complete by late October. You can said that even though this proposal was not approved, she is reaching out to the school board to hopefully come together and find a solution to help Native American students. The aging facility was built in 1920 and is by far the oldest school building in the district. The district closed. The school closed in 2016 when Perry Creek Elementary opened, combining students from Crescent Park, Lincoln, and Clark Elementary. Paul said if he had to grade the building, between building condition between an A and an F, he would give it a D. The reason it would achieve that grade is the boiler system in the building is an old steam boiler system that is going to need some upgrades, he said. The building is also not ADA compliant and has no air conditioning. Prior to hosting Hunt Elementary students, the building held Bryant Elementary students while the new school was built. 
The school has sold a variety of former school buildings to the public and has become churches, apartment complexes, or demolished by the new owner. Ireton Woman Injured in Sioux County Rollover Crash Story by Dolly Butts Dateline, Orange City, Iowa A woman was flown to a Sioux Falls, South Dakota hospital after a single vehicle rollover crash Sunday near Orange City. At 8.49 p.m., the Sioux County Sheriff's Office investigated a motor vehicle accident that occurred on Highway 60, four miles south of Orange City. According to a statement from the Sheriff's Office, Jade Volotho, age 27, of Ireton, Iowa, was driving a 2011 Chevrolet Equinox northbound on Jackson Avenue, County Road K64, when she lost control of the vehicle, entered the East Ditch, rolled, and then crossed over into the northbound lane before coming to a rest on Highway 60. Volotho was transported to the Orange City Health Area Health System. She was later flown to Sanford Hospital in Sioux Falls. The Sheriff's Office was assisted by Orange City Ambulance, Orange City Fire Department, and Orange City Alton Police Department. This accident remains under investigation. Council asked city staff to prepare two garbage recycling proposals for February 27th meeting. Story by Dolly Butts, Dateline Sioux City. The Sioux City Council directed city staff on Monday to prepare two solid waste and recycling proposals to present to the council's February 27th weekly meeting. At its February 6th meeting, the council deferred a vote on a resolution that would approve a 10-year agreement between the city and Gill Hauling Incorporated for solid waste collection, recycling, and disposal services. At that time, council members said they wanted to hear more public input on the proposed resolution. The new 10-year agreement contains a floor consumer price index adjustment of 3% to a ceiling consumer price index adjustment of 5% for the length of the agreement. All service locations within the agreement would receive new solid waste and recycling containers. The agreement, as initially proposed, also recommends that recycling collection take place every other week to keep costs down. The comments I have received have been overwhelmingly in favor of weekly recycling, Mayor Pro Tem Dan Moore said on Monday. Under a 10-year contract, a 95-gallon solid waste container and a 95-gallon recycling container with recycling being picked up every other week would cost households $17.30 per month beginning July 1. An additional solid waste container would cost $4.25 per month. If recycling would continue to be picked up on a weekly basis, that rate would rise to $19.05. Ratepayers would have the option to exchange a 95-gallon recycling container for a 65-gallon with weekly recycling pickup, a 95-gallon solid waste container and a 65-gallon recycling container would cost $18.80 per month. I would like to see the big recycling container and then if they want a smaller one, they can request it, Councilwoman Julie Schoenherr said. Sean McDowell of Gill Hauling said 56% of residents have a recycling container right now. Of those nearly 15,000 homes, he said two-thirds put recyclables out every week. Councilman Alex Waters expressed concerns about keeping recycling and having all households bills rise by $21 a year. I think we're going to make a lot of tough budgetary decisions over the next coming years and put in an extra $21 on taxpayers for that. That may or may not be utilizing it. It is something I want to think about a little bit more.
Contractor working to remove nearly 200 ash trees in Sioux City. Story by Dolly Butts. Dayline Sioux City. A contractor is back in Sioux City working to remove roughly 200 ash trees with 16 to 24 inch trunk diameters in the Midtown and near Northside neighborhoods. Last month, Kelly Bach, Sioux City Parks Maintenance Field Supervisor, said the contractor previously knocked out 40 trees in two days. Cold weather prevented completion of the work at that time. Those trees are being removed are, that are being removed are going to local landscaper to be ground, said Bach, who said the trees will be repurposed as colored wood chip mulch. The removal of vast trees on city-owned properties, including the public right-of-way, are part of the city's plan to manage the Emerald Ash Borer, EAB, the Department of Agri-Iowa the Iowa Department of Agriculture and Land Stewardship announced on January 19th that the invasive ash tree killing insect from Asia has been confirmed in Sioux City and samples collected from trees. The emerald ash borer has now been found in all but three of Iowa's 99 counties, Plymouth, Palo Alto, and Emmett. Larva feeding on the inner bark damages and eventually kills ash trees within two to four years. Indicators of an infestation include canopy thinning, Canopy thinning, leafy sprouts shooting from the trunk or main branches, serpentine galleries under the bark, bark splitting, woodpecker damage, and one-eighth inch D-shaped exit holes. Last fall, Box said city staff identified ash trees that would be removed and sent letters to impacted property owners. When they didn't hear back from certain property owners, he said staff knocked on doors and delivered the letters. Property owners have the option to treat the trees. Box said only about 2% have opted for treatment. Ash trees slated for removal have been brightly marked. Staff is already working on identifying other areas of trees that need to be removed and will continue to with the larger populated areas and work it into in for the years to come, said Bach, who noted that replanting is a work in progress. Property owners can find out more information about removing or treating ash trees at Sioux-City.org. Click the Community tab at the top to access Sioux City's Emerald Ashbor Management Plan. Sioux City Gamer Store to Close. Story by Mason Doctor. Line Sioux City. Gamers, a video game store in downtown Sioux City, is closing down. Retailer, which has other locations in Des Moines, Omaha, and Lincoln, posted an announcement of the closure Monday on its Facebook page. No date was given for the closure in the Facebook post. The other locations are also slated to close. We are sad to announce that gamers will be closing down. Although it's tough news, we want to thank our local gaming communities for all their awesome support over the years, the Facebook post said. A clearance sale is planned. Gamers opened at Sioux City location at 414 Piercer, formerly a sportsman's sporting goods, about a year ago. The store specialized in newer and older video games and trading card games. One of the more unusual attractions in the store is a purportedly rare circa 1990s Super, video, Super Nintendo video game kiosk still in working condition. Sioux City School Board approves Superintendent Early Wines contract. Story by Caitlin Yamada. Dayline Sioux City. The Sioux City's Community School Board has approved Rod Early Wines three-year contract with a base salary of $250,000. The board unanimously approved Early Wines' three-year superintendent contract on Monday with start date of July 1. Board President Dan Greenwell said, based on the unanimous approve, he thinks the board 
felt good about the contract. The board also voted to remove the, quote, interim title from Early Wyant's current contract, officially naming him the superintendent for the remainder of the school year. Early Wyant's $250,000 base salary is $1,355 more than the last contract base given to former superintendent Paul Gossman, but Early Wyant's total three-year contract benefits are $180,000, $168 less than what Gossman would have received according to documents approved provided in the board agenda. Early Wine will receive $255,000 in salary for the 2023-2024 school year, which will increase to $65,000 by the 25-26 school year. The board provided a contract comparison between what Early Wine has received and what Gosman would have potentially received for the same period based on former contracts. Early Wine's total compensation, including monthly travel stipends, Annual dues allowances, retirement contribution, IPERS contribution, and health care will result in $922,000, $632 in financial benefits over the three-year contract, according to the document. It was calculated that Gosman would have received $1.1 million over the same three-year period. The document also states Gosman's contract included the ability to consult and a, quote, golden parachute, which Early Wines does not. Golden parachutes is a widely used term given to severance packages for top executives. Early Wine was chosen by the school board in January to serve as the superintendent of schools. He was chosen over Giovanni Ponce, the assistant superintendent of high schools for the Houston Independent School District. Former East Sac teacher pleads guilty of sexual contact with a student. Sac City, Iowa, a former East Sac County High school teacher has pleaded guilty of having sexual contact with a male student. Stephanie Kelsey, 35, of Sac City, pleaded guilty Monday in Sac County District Court to single counts of third-degree sexual abuse and sexual exploitation by a school employee. The charges carry prison sentences of 10 and 5 years, respectively. Sentencing was scheduled for April 10th. Kelsey was charged with committing sex acts with a student who was age 14 to 15, from about September 1, 2021 through March 11th, according to court documents, the two allegedly had sexual contact more than one occasion in a vehicle at a county park and in Kelsey Sachs, Sioux, Sac City, Kelsey Sac City home. She was arrested March 11th, the day after apparent reported rumors about a sexual relationship between her and the student to the Sac County Sheriff's Office. She had been charged with seven counts of additional additional counts of third degree sexual abuse. Kelly Kelsey was a special education teacher at the high school, which is located in Lakeview. Her probationary teaching contract was later terminated. Woman pleads not guilty of leaving dead dogs, cat and freezer in Sac City. Story by Nick Hytrek, Dateline Sac City, Iowa. A woman is pleaded not guilty of leaving dead cats and dogs in the freezers at her former Sac City home. Billy Joe Langner, 47 of Farnhamville, Iowa, entered her written plea Wednesday in Sac County District Court to six counts of animal neglect with serious injury or death, all aggravated misdemeanors. According to court documents, the owner of a house in the 2,100 block of East Aaron Street called Sac City Police on January 1 to report that Langner, his previous tenant, had left two dead cats in the house. Two emaciated decomposing dogs were also found in a chest freezer in the garage. According to court documents, the house was filled 
with animal feces and urine. Police located Buyer Langner at another Sac City home later that day and arrested her. Officers returned to the rental home on January 2nd when the landlord reported for it, finding a partially decomposed cat in the kitchen freezer, and on January 14th when another dead cat was found in the basement of the home. Woman plays not guilty of Sioux City Shields Explosion, story by Nick Heidrich. Dateline Sioux City. An Omaha woman has pleaded not guilty of shoplifting after an accomplice set off an explosion at Sioux City City's Shields store. Jessica Katz, 40, entered her written plea Friday in Woodbury County District Court to charges of first-degree arson, second-degree criminal mischief, and fourth-degree theft. According to court documents, Katz and another woman took a number of items off of shelves at Shields 4400 Sergeant Road on October 26th. While inside the store, the other woman removed a lighter and a small device with a fuse from the pocket of her hooded sweatshirt. She lit the fuse and tossed the device onto a shelf. A short time later, the device exploded, damaging shelving and merchandise. Katz exited the store without paying for the merchandise, which totaled $562 that she and, other woman, and the other woman had collected, court documents said. The explosion caused more than $3,412 in damages. Dozens of employees and customers were in the store at the time of the explosion. Siouxland woman sought on failure to appear charges. Dateline Sioux City. The U.S. Marshal Service Northern Iowa Fugitive Task Force is seeking the following person. Sabrina Bradley, 50. She is 5 foot 5 inches tall and weighs 220 pounds. Bradley is wanted by the U.S. Marshal Service for failure to appear for a pretrial release or vacation hearing. She was on pretrial release for conspiracy to distribute methamphetamine. Anyone with information can call. Area code 712-252-0211 or email sulance.mostwanted at usdoj.gov. Two North High School students earn top credentials in culinary program. Deadline Sioux City, story by Earl Horlick. Ome Vong and Adam Embrock aren't ready for Master Chef yet, but the North High School students still want to make their mark in the culinary world. Vong, a senior, and Embrock, a junior, are the first Sioux City Community High School students to earn ProStart Certificates of Achievement, COA, through the district's culinary pathway. A partnership between the Iowa Restaurant Association and the National Restaurant Association Educational Foundation ProStart is a two-year program sponsored by the National Restaurant Association Educational Foundation. It blends classroom learning with mentored work experience as a way to teach high school students the management culinary skills they'll need in this food service field. In order to earn a certificate of achievement, Students may, must maintain high academic standards, complete a checklist of competencies, and work a minimum of 400 hours in the food service industries. Ambrock acquired his work credits at a fast food restaurant as well as through an internship at a hospital culinary department. Bong also had a hospital in Sherman as well as a part-time job at Hong Kong Food Market. My parents owned the former Suchi restaurant, Fuji Bay, for many years, Bong said. It's been a dream of mine to follow in my parents' footsteps. I'd like to start my own restaurant, and earning a COA puts me on that path. But she needs to go to college first. Next year, I'll be attending the University of Louisville as an Asian Studies student, Bong, who is of Chinese and Vietnamese descent, explained. 
I'd like to open an Asian fusion restaurant someday. The best way to understand a country's food is through a country's history. Indeed, she wants to incorporate Mexican and Italian ingredients and otherwise Asian cuisine. And Brock, on the other hand, is more of a meat and potatoes type guy. I have a Midwestern approach to f towards food, he said. I love steak and want to open my own steakhouse in the future. One skill that Embrock has to yet to master is baking. I can't bake to save my life, he said with a shrug. Wong agreed that breaking is hard. However, she saw a recipe online for a Korean ch cheesecake, which seemed tempting. The internet is a great place to find ideas. So are TV food shows, Embrock noted. I think both social media and cable TV have made the food fun and creative. It has certainly expanded Vong's palate. I used to hate mushrooms and tomatoes, she said. Now I love them and use many of them in my stir-fries. While he doesn't personally like the taste of mayonnaise, Embrock will incorporate it in his recipe. I think they're one of the best things about the district culinary pathway, he said. You look at the ingredients in a whole new way and try to include everything that you make, which isn't always a good thing for Embrock's family. I love spicy stuff, and my dad can't handle spicy, mentioned it with a smile. I mean, any spice at all. Like Embrock, culinary creativity isn't always appreciated at home. My parents are very traditional. She said, I'll make an Asian fusion dish at home, which I'll end up eating by myself. I think my mom gives me credit for trying. She'll say, we'll eat something else, but you do you. Nevertheless, both Vong and Embrock see food as an important part in their future. Cooking knowledge will always come in handy, even if you never step foot in a restaurant kitchen, Embrock said. After all, everybody has to eat. Lecter and Lumber to relocate operations, build new office, building, and warehouse. The Lancer City, Lecter and Lumber plans to relocate its operations to a new facility at the northeast corner of Floyd Boulevard and 4th Street. The project, which represents a capital investment of $1.4 million, includes construction of a new 1,872-square-foot office building and 11,985-square-foot warehouse building with an entrance off 5th Street. Sioux City Council is expected to vote on a resolution Monday that, if approved, would authorize a development agreement and minimum agreement assessment agreement with Cyclone on Floyd LLC. This separate entity was established to construct and own the new facility. Cyclone on Floyd LLC will lease the facility back to Electron Lumber, according to City documents. Lectern Lumber currently leases space at 200 South Court Street. The full-service supplier of building materials for commercial and residential customers will retain all nine employees after the relocation. The new location will significantly increase operational efficiencies and safety by allowing all the company's buildings to be on one site, the document stated. City staff has worked to finalize a development agreement and minimum assessment agreement with Cyclone on Floyd LLC to provide assistance for the project. As part of the proposed development agreement and minimum assessment agreement, the developer will commit to investing $1.4 million to construct a new office and warehouse building, as well as enter into a minimum assessment agreement of $1.2 million beginning January 1, 2024, which will continue for a period of 10 years. The city will in turn provide 75% property tax rebates on the new incremental taxes created by the value added to the property for a period of five years. Total assistance is estimated at $145,000. Historical homes that you can own in the Siouxland area. Four-bedroom home in Sioux City, $185,000. This is a beautifully done bungalow tucked in a quiet pocket of Morningside. 
Another one is a four-bedroom home in Sioux City, $150,000, great house for first-time home buyer or a rental. Four-bedroom home in Sioux City, $189,990. Check out this three-bed, 175, 1.75 bath brick beauty with many updates and a huge lot. Four-bedroom home in Sioux City, $183,000, stately all-brick two-story with views to the west. And there's also homes in Lamar's and, and uh, other places as well. LPS taps new workforce to address para shortage. High school students. Story by Zach Hammond, Lincoln Journal Star. Ever since she was 10 years old, Aubriana Kreiser knew she wanted to be a special education teacher. Learning about other people's struggles and how she can help is just something she enjoys. So when her high school counselor at Lincoln North Star Asked her if she would be interested in working as a paraeducator. Kreiser jumped, uh, jumped at the opportunity. Right off the bat, I was interested, the senior said. She is one of 11 students taking part in a new pilot program at Lincoln Public Schools that allows students seniors to work as special education paras. The initiative, which kicked off this semester, is meant to address a dire workforce with a need with paras in short supply while also giving students a chance to test the waters of a career they hope to proceed. Some parents, however, have raised concerns about how the program was rolled out and the compensation the students will receive. The student parents who already attend school on a shortened schedule perform the same duties and receive the same pay as parents IVs, one of the five classifications at parents at LPS, para Fours who work with special education students in a variety of settings are paid $16.83 an hour. Students receive the same training and serve in an itinerant capacity, bouncing between mostly between elementary and middle schools in a given quadrant. They cannot work at their home high school or students where their siblings attend, and they're required to work at least one hour per day. Unlike teachers which are, who are certified, paras are classified employees with less stringent requirements to work in a school. Federal law does require paras who work in Title IX, Title I buildings to have 48 semesters of college credit or equivalent, but that does not apply to itinerant paras. 18-year-old Lamar's residence charged with having sex with 13-year-old girl. Story by Nick Hytrek. Rock Valley, Iowa, a Lamar's Iowa teenager has been arrested and charged with having sex with a 13-year-old girl. Rock Valley police arrested Skyler Myers, 18, on January 24th, a week after a warrant was issued for his arrest. He is charged with one count of third-degree sexual abuse, a Class C felony. According to a complaint filed in Sioux City District Court, Myers had sex with a girl who, by law, is unable to consent in December at a Rock Valley home. Two other sexual encounters in other jurisdictions were reported, but a search of online court records found no other charges filed against Myers, who admitted to the sex acts court documents said. First-term Siouxland lawmakers talk first month in Iowa legislature. Dateline Des Moines, story by Jarrett McNett. Siouxland sent seven first-term state lawmakers to the Iowa legislature January 9th. In the month since, those seven men, six Republicans and one Democrat, have weighed in on multiple contentious bills focusing on issues such as school choice, caps on medical malpractice awards, and the teaching of LGBTQ topics in schools. No vote is taken lightly here, Senator Rocky DeWitt R. Lawton said. Realizing decisions made here affect the entire state is humbling. DeWitt is joined by fellow state 
Senate Republican first-termers Lynn Evans, Aurelia, and Kevin Alons of Salix. In the Iowa House of Representatives, the freshmen are J.D. Schulton, Sioux City, Zach Deacon, Granville, Ken Carlson, Animo. All but Schulton are members of the Republican Party, which has a 64-36 advantage in the Iowa House and a 34-16 majority in the Iowa Senate. Like DeWitt, Schulton, who ran for Congress in 2020, 2018 and 2020 similarly mentioned the weight of each vote he's already taken in his first month, while also noting that he didn't expect to find a lot of consensus as members of the minority party. So far, the biggest surprise has been how much bipartisan stuff gets done. The newsworthy bills are the divisive ones, he said. Evans agreed. The number of bills that are bipartisan has been a pleasant surprise, he said. In fact, when legislative disputes have happened over the past 30 days or so, Henderson said he's not seen them come solely down on partisanship. Frankly, most of the battles are not across political lines so much as they are internal as we wrestle with what is best versus what is expedient. I know there is a potential battle in every issue, he said. The legislation putting a cap on cash awards for pain, suffering, and other non-economic complications for medical malpractice lawsuits is one who scrambled the two parties. The Senate House Bill, House File 161, passed Senate by 29-20 vote and the House by 54-46 vote. Just in the delegation of first seven first-term Siouxlanders, four voted yes, while three opposed the plan. Before a debate was underway Wednesday, DeWitt said, This will likely be a long night as there is will be many, both for and against. With school choice, Bill Evans was one of only three Republicans in the Iowa Senate to vote nay. Nine Republicans in the Iowa House opposed it. No other Republican legislator in Siouxland joined Evans in opposition. If the use of eminent domain for carbon capture pipelines comes up this session, Elon said he could see dissension among legislators. You are listening to the reading of the Sioux City Journal for Tuesday. February 14th, 2023, on IRIS, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind. Now let's turn to today's obituaries. Romney Lee Bars, Romney Lee Bars, Ponca, Nebraska. Romney Lee Bars, 74, died on Wednesday, February 8th, 2023, after a short battle with cancer. Celebrational life service will be held Monday at the Ole Dane Golf Course, Dakota City, with Pastor B.J. Van Sun. Van's Beek, Van Kell's Beek of Sunnybrook Community Church officiating. The family will be meeting at 4.30 p.m. with the service starting at 5 p.m. Romney Lee Bars was born May 9, 1948 in Rosalie, Nebraska to Clinton Bars and Darlene Robbie Bars. He was oldest of six children. The family moved to Dakota City and graduated from South Sioux City High School in 1966 where he still holds many records as a multi-sport athlete. He married Marcia Metcalf in 1968. They were together for nearly 58 years and would have celebrated their 55th wedding anniversary on February 10th. Together, they raised five children on an acreage near Punka. Some of his greatest joys were his grandchildren. He prided himself as a blue-collar worker and union member for many years, mentoring many and developing lifelong friendships. He retired from Goleta, North America in 2021, he was an avid sports enthusiast, playing men's softball, bowling with his wife, Marsha, for many years, and coaching the Willis Wildcats baseball teams and Junior Musketeers hockey teams. His love of hockey started with the Sioux City Eagles in 1969 and continued with the Musketeers for many decades. He loved cheering for sports teams. He was preceded in death by his 
father and mother and mother-in-law. Honorary pallbearer bears are Clinton Bars, David Metcalf, Benjamin Oyne, Daniel Kane, Bradley Oyne, Colton Kane, Tanner Oyne, Zachney, Zane Hackney, and Blake Bars. Condolences may be directed to 507 Baywood Court, Sergeant Bluff, Iowa 510-54. Stephanie L. Bada, 1961-2023. Stephanie L. Bada, Sioux City, age 61, passed away on Tuesday, February 7th, following a long battle with lupus. Massive Christian burial will be at 10.30 a.m. on Monday. Modern-day Parish, Immaculate Conception Church in Sioux City. Private graveside services will be held at Calvary Cemetery. Stephanie Lynn, the daughter of Rupert and Lucille Rogue Lerma, was born October 9, 1961, in Sioux City. She grew up and attended school in Sioux City. In late 1977, she started dating Tom Thomas Bada, and they were united in marriage on October 20, 1979, at Immaculate Conception Church. The union was blessed with four daughters. The family made their home in Sioux City. Throughout the years, Stephanie worked part-time jobs, including Western States as bus coordinator for Winnebago and Shopko. Her greatest joy was being a homemaker who was actively involved in all her daughter's activities. She, while raising her daughter, she returned to school and was proud to receive her GED. She was survived by her husband, Thomas Tom Bata of Sioux City, four daughters, uh, grandchildren, sisters, other family members. She was preceding death by her parents, four siblings. Eldon Bray, Lamar's, Iowa. Eldon Bray, 75, of Lamar's, passed away Tuesday, February 7th, 2023, at the VA Medical Center in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Arrangements are pending with the Rex Winkle Funeral Home in Lamar's. Services will be held at a later date. Expressions of sympathy can be extended to the family through www.rexwinklefh.com. Eldon was born on December 12, 1947, in Elma, Iowa, to Burl and Lenora Tesloff Gray. He graduated from Charles City High School. In 1967, he enlisted in the United States Navy, May 2, 1968. He served in Vietnam from February 20, 1969 to February 20, 1970, and was honorably discharged in February of 1972. He began working for Fairway in the Meat Department at Charles City and was transferred to Fairway and Mars in 1972. He was united in marriage to Kathleen Kathy Brownmiller on January 12, 1974 in Lamars. They made their home in Merrill and later moved to Lamars. He worked at Fairway for 14 years, then worked at IBP in Sioux City for 10 years. He then began working for Colbeck Incorporated in Lamars until he retired. He loved fishing and reading books, especially Westerns and science fiction novels. He also loved animals and had several beloved pet dogs and cats. Over the years, he survived by his niece, nephews, and other relatives. He was seen in Beth by his parents, parents-in-law, his wife, Kathy Bray, sister, other relatives. In lieu of flowers, memorials are preferred to Royal C. Johnson Veterans Memorial Hospital in Sioux Falls. Jessica Lynn Byerkirk. Jessica Lynn Byerkirk, Lincoln, Nebraska, 46, died Tuesday, February 7, 2023. Celebration of life, February 18th from 1030 a.m. to 1 p.m. Peace Lutheran Church, 2720 28th Street, Columbus, Nebraska. Arrangements for Trump Funeral Services, 1600 West O Street, Lincoln, Nebraska. Mary Janice Cahill, 1936-2023. She was 86 years old of Dakota City, passed away 
peacefully on Thursday, February 9th, 2023 in Sioux City. A funeral mass will be held at 10.30 a.m. on Thursday at St. Michael's Catholic Church in South Sioux City. Visitation will be held from 4.7 p.m. on Wednesday with a prayer service at 7 p.m. at Moore and Becker Funeral Home. Burial will be in St. Michael's Cemetery. Online condolences can be made to MeyerBrothersChapels.com. She was born in Omaha, Nebraska. To James and Catherine Pearl Breslin Rush after her mother's passing, Mary was raised by her Aunt Margaret Beller in Sioux City with her five cousins who were like siblings to her. After graduating from Healand in 1955, she worked as a telephone operator, PBX operator, Dakota County election clerk, and office secretary. She was volunteered as a Girl Scout leader and as a council chairperson, a parish council member of St. Michael's Church, and an assistant 4-H leader. She mar- in 1956, she married James Cahill at St. Michael's Church in Sioux City. She was a beloved mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother. She was known for her sharing her gifts of baking, quilting, cooking, and gardening with her family. She enjoyed helping her children in their pursuits throughout her life and assisting her grandchildren with many school and 4-H projects. She survived by three daughters and their spouses, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and other relatives. She is preceded in death by her husband, James, parents, aunt, Margaret Beller, and cousin, Joseph Beller. She was a loving and devoted wife, a woman of great faith and kindness, a phenomenal mother and grandmother. She will be deeply missed by all her loved ones. Gloria Lynn Cole. She died Friday, February 10th, 2023, at the age of 58. Services February 18th. At 10 a.m., Meyer Brothers Morningside Chapel, Burial Memorial Park Cemetery, visitation February 17th from 4 to 7 p.m. at the funeral home. Barbara A. Curry, Sioux City, 89, died Friday, February 10th, 2023, services February 17th at 10.30 a.m. Trinity Lutheran Church, 11th and Drax, Jackson Street, Sioux City, Burial Private, Logan Park Cemetery, visitation one hour prior to service time at the church. Rachel Swift. Meyer Brothers Colonial Chapel. Paul C. Engel, Sioux City, 95, died Friday, February 10th, 2023. Arranges Penny with Waterbury Funeral Service of Sioux City. Ronald L. Butch, comrade of Sioux City. He died age 73, sadly passed away on Friday, January 13th, 2023. He spent his final days at University of Nebraska Medical Center in Omaha, where he was diagnosed with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. He took his last breath peacefully, holding the hands of the love of his life, Terry, and his baby girls. Celebration of life will be held at a later date. Arrangements are under the direction of Waterbury Funeral Service of Sioux City. Butch was born June 10, 1949, in Sioux City, the son of Lloyd and Mary Lou Peck, comrade Dutch Risch. He attended school in Riverside and graduated in 1967. In 1966, he met Terry Williams. On May 18, 1968, they were married and blessed with three wonderful children, Chris, Kirk, and Corey. They raised their family at McCook Lake, South Dakota. He was known as Papa to his family. He was also known as Bubba, among many friends, co-workers from Katie, Floyd Valley, John Morrell, and Solar Plastics, until retiring at 65. He survived by Terry and their children, great-grandchildren, grandchildren, mother Mary Lou, brother Mike, several aunts, and other relatives. He was seized in death by his father, Lloyd Camerot, and stepfather, Robert Rich. Roger Lee Kloster, formerly of Hinton, Iowa, 82, died Friday, February 10th, 2023. Services March 25th at 10 a.m. Meyer Brothers Colonial Chapel. 
Burial, Hungerford Township Cemetery, Hinton with military honors. Visitation, March 24th from 5 to 7 p.m. at the funeral home. Finley Scarlett Mersh, infant, died Sunday, February 5th, 2023. Services February 18th at 11 a.m. Waterbury Funeral Service of Sioux City, 4125 or Orleans Avenue. Visitation one hour prior to service time at the funeral home. Karen Sue Callahan Noel, 1954-2022. Karen Sue Callahan Noel, Conyers, Georgia, formerly of Sioux City. Six, age 68, passed away Thursday, December 22, 2022, at Piedmont Rockdale Hospital in Conyers after a brief illness. She was interred on January 20th, January 10th, 2023, at Calvary Cemetery in Sioux City. Celebration of life is planned for Saturday at Christy Smith Funeral Homes Morningside Chapel. Visitation will be from 2 to 3 p.m. Service will be at Begin at 3 p.m. She was born February 18, 1954, in Sioux City to Marie LaFontaine and Dr. Ambrose James Callahan, Jr. She graduated from Bishop Helan in 1972. She participated in many activities, including girl team, girls basketball, girls golf, major red flag twirler, and honor roll. She attended Colorado Women's College, the University of Iowa, and graduated from the University of South Dakota. After college, she further education and graduated from Sioux from St. Joseph Mercy School of Nursing in Sioux City in 1982. As a registered nurse for the next five years, she was a float nurse and charge nurse in many different areas at Sacred Heart Hospital in Yankton, South Dakota. In 1984, she was named the Nurse of the Year. In 1987-88, she was named the Clinical Coordinator at Elk Point Community Clinic. She married the love of her life, Steve Nold, on August 23, 1985, at Elk Point, South Dakota. They owned and lived on the Blue Feather Farm with their stepson, or in Noel. In 1988, they moved to Conyers. They purchased a second home where Karen resided until her death. Karen was a gifted registered nurse. She earned many credentials and accolades while working at Piedmont Rockdale Hospital. She was also a clinical instructor at the Caltech LPN program and a keynote speaker at graduation cemeteries. She also worked at Atlanta Medical Center in radiology and critical care nursing and oncology until she retired. Karen was known for a kind heart and her friendly, outgoing personality. She loved to travel with her husband, Steve, and stepson, Orion. One of their favorite places to visit, friends, was in Billy's. She was an avid golfer, a pastor she also shared with her husband and son. She was an animal lover, especially dogs and horses. She volunteered at the Georgia International Horse Park that was near her home, an official equestrian site during the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta. She also always owned a rescue dog up until a few months before her passing. She survived by her stepson, Orion Nold of Led, South Dakota, two grandchildren, Casey and Andy Nold of Led, brother Jim Callahan, Beth of Huntington Beach, California, two sisters, Meg Callahan and Mary Joyce Copabianco, Mike of Clive, Iowa, and several nieces and nephews. She was preceded in death by her husband, Stephen Nold, parents and sister, Kathy Callahan Payer. Karen was loved by her family and friends, and she will be missed. Memorials may be made to your local animal shelter in her name. Chief Dennis Michael O'Keefe, Sioux City. The ducks and geese are safe, the deer have no fear, and the bad guys take a deep breath, all because Dennis, Jesus decided it was time to bring Dennis home. Surrounded by family, he raised his right arm and reached for his Lord and Savior's hand. Massive Christian burial will help be held at 11 a.m. Saturday at St. Michael's Catholic Church with Father David Heman celebrating. 
Visitation with family will be from 5 to 7 p.m. Friday with a vigil service at Meyer Brothers Colonial Chapel. Burial will be at a later date at Calvary Cemetery. Online condolences may be given at www.meyerbrothschapels.com. The only son of Chief James and Dolores Nolly O'Keefe, Dennis Michael O'Keefe was born on May 21, 1946 in Sioux City. He attended St. Michael's Elementary and graduated from Helan High School in 1964. He led him track a skill. He served him well in chasing down above-mentioned bad guys. He played hockey for the Sioux City Musketeers. Most of his free time was spent trapping, hunting, and fishing in the Floyd River Valley. In his early years, he was a Boy Scout, then an Explorer Scout, then an Assistant Scout Master at St. Michael's. He served at many church dinners and parish events. On December 16, 1967, he joined the Sioux City Police Department. He loved his job to protect and serve. The youngest police officer to advance to police sergeant, he moved quickly through the ranks to police captain. He earned his Bachelor of Science degree from Morningside College in 1974. He attended the police, Southern Police Institute in Louisville, Kentucky, and had done graduate work in police administration at the University of South Dakota. He had served as a consultant to the Northwest Iowa Area Crime Commission in the 1970s, specializing in the use of resources. He developed the Planning and Resource Division at the SCPD. As a lieutenant, he worked to create the MOKIC Mid-States Organized Crime Information Center, now one of six centers in the nation. Dennis served six, ten years in the SCPD Detective Bureau. Toward the end of that term, he led a massive narcotics investigation involving nearly $250 million of sting money. When the traps were closed, somewhere between 60 and 70 narcotic dealers were arrested, and every one of them convicted. In 1972, he organized a major defender team within the police department. In the many family stories he shared with his family, one could hear the pride he had for his fellow officers in hometown of Sioux City. Dennis was a humble man, and many of the newspaper articles were things he had never talked about. The awards and cop shop stuff he kept to himself. One City, Sioux City Journal article mentioned that even at the age of 40, Captain O'Keefe didn't sit much at his desk. At 6'3 and 220 pounds, he raced from the police station on foot to try to nab two carborn suspects with shotgun to window about a block away. Dennis enjoyed the fast-paced action of police work. He met Janet Beam at the University of Wisconsin, though Clara only had eyes for her for the next 57 years. Dennis's passion of outdoors took Jan on all sorts of outdoor adventures. They had four children in five years, Kelly Marie, Katie Ann, James Michael, and Sean Patrick. He went on to excited to start family vacations early on to create traditions and memories. The family went canoeing, boating, hiking, wilderness camping, swimming, ice skating, fishing, and lots of national park escapades. He made sure his family grew up on a firm foundation. We prayed and went to church. We loved our country and the men and women who fought for our freedom. In 1987, Dennis accepted the police, chief of police job in St. Cloud, Minnesota. He served there through, as chief of police through 2001. During his term, he transformed the department into a progressive, modern aid age, agency. He introduced many new programs and ideas to include some of the following. He hired the first woman police officer, upgraded criteria for hiring police officers, modernized the department with computerization, created a citizen review board, helped to create emergency communications, and other programs. He was survived by his wife of 57 years and other relatives. Christine M. Semple. Christine Semple, Oak Point, South Dakota, age 64, died Thursday, February 9, 2023. Services February 15th at 11 a.m. Myers, 
Brothers, Morningside Chapel, Burial, Graceland Park Cemetery, Sioux City, Visitation, February 15th, from 9 a.m. until service time at the funeral home. Margaret Joan Shannabelt, Shanna Felt, Spirit Lake, Iowa, formerly Sioux City, age 88, passed away on Friday, February 10th, 2023, at Acura Health Care of Spirit Lake. A private family burial will be held at Memorial Park Cemetery in Sioux City. Arrangements are under the direction of the Robinson Funeral Home in Spirit Lake. Online condolences may be left at www.spiritlakefuneralhome.com. Margaret Joan Shanafelt was born on May 29, 1934 in Akron, Ohio, to Herbert and Margaret Lasher Olson. She graduated from Ellet High School in Akron and later earned her Bachelor of Arts degree from Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. She was united in marriage to John Shanafelt on August 5, 1956 in Akron. She loved spending time with her family. She enjoyed workouts and coffee with her friends, china painting, reading, playing, bridge, and cooking. She survived by her husband, John Shanafelt of Spirit Lake, formerly of Sioux City. Children, John Sh Julie Shanafelt of Montgomery, Texas, Lee McMillian of Toronto, Canada, and Charles Julie Shanafelt of Dakota Dunes, daughter-in-law, Diane Shanafelt of Sioux City, 10 grandchildren, 16 great-grandchildren. She was preceded in death by her parents, granddaughter Leah, two brothers, four sisters, including twin sister Jean. Special thanks go to all the staff at Lakes Regional Healthcare and Hospice and Acura Healthcare of Spirit Lake. Low flowers, donations, and memorial gifts can be made to Lakes Regional Hospice, Spirit Lake. Lorraine E. Washburn, 1929-2023 of Law, Lorraine E. Washburn, Lawton, Iowa, 93 of Lawton, passed away on Wednesday, February 8, 2023 at Pioneer Valley Living and Rehab, Sergeant Bluff. Services will be held at 10.30 a.m. on Monday, February 27th at the Bethel Lutheran Church with Reverend Robert Zelmer officiating burial will be in Banner Township Cemetery at a later date. Visitation will be from 5 to 7 p.m. with prayer service at 7 p.m. on Sunday, February 26th at the church. Arrangements are under the direction of Waterbury Funeral Service of Sioux City. Lorraine L.C. Harrison Washburn was born the daughter of William and Emma Wolf Harrison on February 23, 1929 in McPherson, Minnesota. When she was two years old, the family moved to rural Lawn. She attended Banner Township Schools until 8th grade and then Lawn High School. She was confirmed at Bethel Lutheran Church in Lawn and remained a member of the church throughout her life. On April 21, 1949, she married Bernard R. Washburn at St. John's Lutheran Parsonage in Sioux City. She was an expert genealogist publishing a family history of Bernese families entitled The Wandering Washburns. For many years, she also distributed annual updates of happenings in the lives of her Harrison family. She did notable research in conjunction with her sister Irene on the Harrison line, tracing the family back to Colonial Maryland. Family was very important to Lorraine with an amazing ability to recall connections among family members going back many generations. For several years, her house was a jigsaw puzzle central. One Christmas, her brother-in-law, Norm Custer, gave Lorraine one box filled with the pieces of 100 separate jigsaw puzzles all jumbled together, thinking it was a great joke that she would just toss out. Instead, Lorraine and her siblings assembled all the puzzles in less than a year. She was very active in the Lawton community. She was involved with the Lawton Family Friendship Center, traveled with dancing grannies and grandpas, led a musical group called the Great Grannies Rhythm Band, was active in church choir, and led a crafting group for several years. She was survived by her son, Norman Washburn, Kathy, granddaughters, grandsons, great-grandchildren, and other family members. She was seen in death by her husband, 
parents, and other relatives. Vicki Whaley, Des Moines, Iowa, formerly of Sioux City. Vicki Whaley, 66, of Des Moines, passed away in her home after the 13-year battle with Parkinson's disease on Friday, February 3, 2023. Service will be held from 4 to 6 p.m. on Friday, March 24th at Emanuel United Methodist Church, 2900 49th Street, Des Moines, Iowa. Vicki was born in Sioux City to Waldo and Carol McCudden. She was a graduate of the Northern University of Northern Iowa and was a teacher in Dundin, Florida and with the Des Moines Public Schools for 34 years. She touched the lives of countless students throughout her career and will be remembered for education and her kind, caring nature. She loved spending time outdoors, particularly camping with her friends, family, and dog Ringo. She cherished memories made on those trips. In addition to her love of outdoors, she was an exceptional mother and wife. She cherished her family and was always there to support and encourage them. She was survived by her husband of 44 years, Chuck, daughter, Julia, Eric, Emily, and their two girls, Brooklyn and Vivian of Urbandale, Iowa, daughter, Jennifer, Justin, Daggett, and their son, Gabriel of Guthrie Center, Iowa, and two brothers, David McCudden and Daniel McCudden. Isla May McClure. Honorable Iowa, age 84, died Wednesday, February 8th, 2023. Services February 14th at 11 a.m. Gosser Funeral Chapel, Onawa, Iowa. Burial private at a later date. Arrangement with the Gosser Funeral Home and Monuments, Onawa, Iowa. Live stream of service available at the funeral home's website. Kathleen L. Ballas, Sioux City, 95, died February 7th, 2023. Services February 9th. At 11 a.m., Waterbury Funeral Service of Sioux City, 4125 Orleans Avenue Burial Memorial Park Cemetery. Visitation one hour prior to service time at the funeral. Marion V. Perry, Lincoln, Nebraska, formerly of Sioux City, 96, died Wednesday, February 1, 2023. Service was held in Lincoln. Graveside Services with husband Lester. February 11th at 2 p.m., Graceland Park Cemetery, Sioux City. Visitation February 11th. From 1 to 2 p.m., Meyer Brothers Colonial. Carol G. Peterson, Sioux City, age 95, died Monday, February 6, 2023. Services were held February 10th at 1 p.m. Meyer Brothers Funeral Chapel burial was at Logan Park Cemetery. Shirley J. Sargent, Cherokee, Iowa, formerly of Wasta, Iowa, 76, died Friday, February 3rd. Services February 11th at 11 a.m. Boothby Funeral Home at Cherokee. Burial will be at a later date at Quimby Cemetery, Quimby, Iowa. Visitation February 11th from 10 a.m. until service time at the funeral home. And that does it for today's reading of the Sioux City Journal for Tuesday, February 14th, 2023. I'm your reader, Bill Petrosky. You can access a recording of today's reading on our website, iowaradioreading.org at any time. Thank you for listening.